It's a story to tell is what we have to do in the appraisal. We have to say, okay, buyer and seller came together. This is how it happened. This is, and then you got to go do a history on the property, you know, how the property came about. Obviously, definition of market value is willing buyer, willing seller. Yes. So if, if that's the situation, that's kind of your jumping off point. But there have been times that I've seen sale prices and then I've gone through my, my analysis and I've been saying, well, what am I missing? What I do is, is I use that sale price, knowing that that's what the sale price is and willing buyer, willing seller, it can really go sideways if you, yes. don't, if you don't know what you're doing. Welcome back, everybody, to the Self Storage Income Podcast. We're so excited to dive into today's episode. When you guys are looking at property management software for your storage facilities, there's a ton of options out there, but no other option compares to Tenant Inc. Tenant Inc. is going to be your one-stop shop solution that has an amazing amount of tools that you can deploy at your fingertips to maximize the value of your facility, to operate it more efficiently, more effectively. They have an open API where you can back in almost anything you want. You own your data, and it's just an incredible solution. I can't say enough good things about these guys. Link is in the show notes. Be sure to check out Tenant Inc. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. We are so excited to jump in on this today. Uh, we have gone over so much at the beginning of the year in the self-storage world and what has been going on, what has been changing. We've talked a lot about interest rates. Uh, we have a really great guest today that we are actually bringing on a topic that we have not hit on yet on the podcast. And it's overdue. We need to. Very, very important part uh, of the process. And we're really excited to, to jump into this. Yeah, man, it's going to be a good episode. There's uh, going to be a ton of value here today. Like you said, it's, it's a topic that we really haven't touched in depth. So I want to give a huge warm welcome to Tim with uh, Cushman Wakefield coming in, talking all things self-storage appraisals, letting us know you know, what the pulse is on the market with, you know, interest rates and what you're seeing out there with banks and the interaction there and uh, the whole process of, of what, you know, that you know, we were talking before the podcast, that appraisal 101 scenario. What does it look like? What's it for? All the ins and outs, what that relationship looks like between, you know, the buyer, the seller, the bank, how you guys plug into the process. Um, huge number of our listeners are, you know, first time storage owner operators, buyers, sellers, different things like that. So Tim, thanks so much for coming on, man. Hanging out with us here. today. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Pre- yeah. Really appreciate it. Yeah. The weather's great. It is. Happy, happy, Sun's to, happy out, to be right? here. Yeah. It's yeah. so like, all right, the sun came out. This it was is a little rainy in Portland when <laughs> yes. I left. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, you're out of the Portland office, yeah, right? In Portland, yeah. 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 No, it's uh it's rainy, rainy, cloudy. So why don't you give people there. a quick background <laughs> into you, what you've done and uh what you do. So I started getting into appraisal. My dad was in real estate development and I summer after I graduated from high school. Didn't want to do the usual job, so my dad said, "Hey, why don't you go work for this appraisal company for the summer?" And at that point, I was, you know, taking photos and you know running things. And then I went to school, went away, came back, and worked the summers in the appraisal. And so it kind of turned into this full time deal. So it was a local sort of shop that I worked with. And after being with them for about five or six years, I realized I wanted to do something a little bit more. Went over to Cushman Wakefield that has more of a national uh, platform and had been there for probably six, seven years and was kind of doing, being a generalist, finding my way around, praising shopping centers and industrial buildings and golf courses and just a lot of different things. And then we worked with a, uh, a 
group out of Southern California that they came on uh, as, as a self-storage appraisal group. So I joined that group about 15, 16 years ago and been primarily appraising self-storage since then. Uh, that person left, went on to a different company. Somebody else came in as a practice leader. She has since left, and about two years ago, I took over the practice lead for Cushman Wakefield. We have about 30 members across the country that just do self-storage appraisal, and I manage that group. We do portfolio work. Um, you know, if there's something goes sideways, they bring me in to, to clean it up, you know? Yep, yep. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's great. Um, I still do a little self-storage, as you know, from here, you know, mm -hmm. here and there. And, um, and I just like, I, I like the asset class. I just think um, it's really unique. It's different from any other asset class. Um, it's got very, um, it's, it's, it's easy to follow along but if you don't know how it operates, yeah. then it really you can really it, it it's uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, it can really go sideways if you yes. don't, if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, and I'm sure you've seen a very big change in perspective too in general on the market of value of storage oh, and absolutely. how people, especially maybe even outside the industry, view that like banks. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about overall perception of that? Because, you know, for all of us and you included that are in it, we, you know, you get that value. Right. But a lot of people, including still shocked today, even how many banks that we talk to, it seems that they have a hard time understanding the value. Yeah. Um, but man, you know, you go back 10 years ago and it was. Very different. Very different. Yeah, I've seen a lot of changes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, go to the conference now, and there's thousands of people there. When I was going to the conferences, you know, it was at some casino in Vegas <laughs> off the strip, you know, yes, some random exactly. place, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, it's become such a well-accepted um, asset class, you yeah. know, with big big funds involved, Wall Street, you know, mm -hmm. the REITs, they've they've – help to bring bring it along to be a little more sophisticated. And with that being said, we still have a small or a, a percentage that's still mom and pop. Yeah. And so that's what makes the property type unique is you have the big, huge players like public that mm -hmm. obviously made a, tried to make a big move yep. this week. Yep. And then you've got, you know, mom and pop that mm -hmm. are running, you know, their single, you know, property drive up, you know, asset for their family. Um, yeah. and, and so there's, it's very different, um, on the appraisal side, you know, what happens is we're always kind of the last hurdle to find, to finalize the deal with the bank. Um, you know, the appraisal comes in, everything's kind of been done, due diligence, environmental, all that stuff. And everybody's kind of waiting on the appraisal. So, um, sometimes it's, most of the time it's good news. Sometimes it's bad news, but if, um, we come in and, and, you know, right away we can, we can pretty much tell kind of where, you know, it's, we get, it's a story to tell is what we have to do in the appraisal. Yeah. We have to say, okay, buyer and seller came together. This is how it happened. This is, and then you got to do a history on the property, you know, how the property came about, um, talk about the transaction, talk to brokers, talk to other buyers, developers, you know, um, so we're wearing a lot of different hats. Yeah. Um, so if 
uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, if a bank hires us, then our our goal is to essentially the bank is our client. Yeah. So they're they're the ones that we're working for, even though yes. the buyers a lot of times are writing the check for the appraisal. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and which is it's a very odd sort of concept, uh-huh. and so it puts us sometimes in a very weird situation. Um, but our goal is to be the bank's. Uh, you know, advocate. Yes. So that's that's kind of the way it is. And and it gets transmitted through the appraisal report. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're touching on like the process, which I love. You're talking about at what point in the process you guys are jumping in, which, you know, it's towards the end. Everybody's just kind of, you know, done the due diligence, made sure the deal works. Everything's good to go. You just need to get that appraisal, the value, loans need to close, all that kind of stuff. Um, let's, it's, let's go into the process of You've got a storage facility. What does that look like? You've got the order. You're going out doing the appraisal. What does that whole process look like for you? Boots on the ground and, you know, coordination with all the parties involved. Right. And so it's it's usually, you know, if there's a buyer and seller, usually you're probably, the contact is most likely the buyer because they're the one getting the loan. But then the seller is also you have to work with as well because they still own the property. You have to get on the property, inspect the property. Um, and, and do all that. So it's, you know, it's a matter of a lot of coordination because, you know, you got to get the right reports, you got to get P&L statements, you got to get occupancy reports, unit mixes, rent rolls, you know, and that all has to come from, you know, hopefully from the bank, but sometimes you got to go to the buyer. So it does take a lot of coordination and you really have to be organized to, and and that would be the case in any appraisal, I think. Um, but with self-storage, um, you know, the first thing I do is I, I go see if there's a website. You know, what does it look like? You know, am I, what, what type of property am I going to, is it going to be drive up? Is it going to be climate control, class A, class B, class C? And then that gives me kind of a, an idea pretty quickly right away. And then if I can get the financials, if I can get the unit mix, the rent roll, then I can go through that and kind of have a better idea. If I can go through all that before I meet with anybody, then I, I have more of an idea of what the questions, which way I need to go with the questions. Now, walk us through how you look at value. So if you are coming up, obviously you have a seller who's saying it's values X, and then you have a buyer who may be agreeing on it or they may be not agreeing on it, right? But you're coming in as more of an independent, Mm -hmm. which you're saying, I understand you guys have a strike price at X. Uh, but I need to come up with a value and the bank's looking at you that said, all right, we get what these two agreed upon. That's fine. But outside these two, what is the value of this thing? And how do you come up with that to report that back to the bank? And uh, when you do, when uh, after you come up with that value, how much does that price that is agreed upon play into it? And what does that look like if it's different? Well... <laughs> you know, obviously, definition of market value is willing buy, buyer, willing seller. Yes. So if if that's the situation, that's kind of your jumping off point. Yeah. You know, obviously, if there's a sale price, it it, it creates a little bit of a, gives you a little bit of a, of a pathway. Yeah. But there have been times that I've seen sale prices and then I've gone through my my analysis and I've been saying, well, what am I missing? Yeah. Because sometimes there's other things. 
and and most of the time it could be very well maybe there's some excess land that was part of the deal maybe there was some um, inventory maybe there was some other contracts maybe there's a cell tower or something on there that adds value that that I didn't know about um, but what I do is is I use that s sale price and knowing that that's what the sale price is and willing buyer willing seller and generally it works out pretty well you know now if it's a refinance and I don't have any number to work with yeah then I'm just going full independent I put my numbers down and then you know I I have a general idea I've done done this long enough I have a general idea probably where it's going to fall um you know, once I look at the financials, you know, depending on where cap rates are at that time. So is, is are you taking a like a overall cap rate from the area and then looking at a financials and trying to apply it to that given cap rate within an area? And is that taken off of other sales? Other sales, yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Or, you know, say um, if I'm doing, say, a Class A property, yeah. real nice Class A property in Seattle. Yeah. Well probably going to use some regional sales because there hasn't maybe there hasn't been a lot of sales yes and a cap rate maybe there's a cap rate in portland that could work yes or if i'm in denver maybe there's a cap rate in you know austin or yes. i mean that's hopefully you get everything local yeah i mean that's but, the hope but yeah. sometimes it doesn't always fit in this ni nice little yeah. box so yeah. you have to be creative um and then of course it's what's the environment financial environment at the time yeah you know is you know one thing that that we're seeing more and more of and you guys probably see it too is like co deals or or, or transactions yes. of properties that are in lease up yes so that's where that can be a real little bit more of a hurdle for us because we don't have anything historical to work off of mm -hmm. and so we really got to nail down our market rents mm -hmm. and we really got to survey the area and and hopefully you have maybe a stabilized pro forma you could work with yeah um and so that that's a way to get to get value yeah. is How about, what is replacement so like you know and this is a really good point let's say um you got a co deal right and they're building it and it's a nice multi-story a-class facility in a city where there's not a lot of that it, like i mean you take an example of a city maybe like you know, where Boise, where you don't have an A-class multi-story facility. Literally, there isn't a four-story, you know, storage facility on a freeway. So you have one. It's just been built. You got to appraise that thing, and there is no strike price for a buy. You know, that's all of a sudden you're now looking at this going, well, is this like Seattle or whatnot? And how much does the cost of it play into it? So you're saying, all right, this cost X to build and now I've got to find rates in the market that I think we could apply to that. Yeah. First of all, you got to make sure your appraisal fee is high enough to take that assignment. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Key detail. Don't yes, leave any right. money on, on the table, uh, right? You don't know, so know be a what lot you're getting into, you know. <laughs> um, you know, in that, in that situation, if, if we're working with something that's a little more, you know, atypical in a market, um, then... You, you gotta. You really. You really have to know. You really have to learn why that person built it, what they think that they can get out of it. Um, and as you know, uh, self storage is so localized. Yes. Um, if someone says, "Hey, Denver's overbuilt," 
Okay, that's a very that's a very Broad. general statement. Yeah. Yes, There's apparently. a lot of neighborhoods in Denver that don't have yeah. self storage, and so the other going back to your you were talking about value. Another thing that we do is is we immediately take you know what's the trade area? Is it three miles? Is it five yeah. miles? You know where are the geographic barriers, and we drill down into that and figure out what what's the other product in that trade area? Is it competitive? What's their occupancy rates? What are their market rates? Um, you know, what's the competition? Because that this is a tough one when you look at, I mean, I know we have areas where you're like, the whole idea that we're going to do is we're going to try to put an A-class somewhere where an A-class doesn't exist, but we believe we can get higher rents. There's just not that type of product or that business in the marketplace, so they right. can't ask for it because it's older, cheaper product. Um, there's a, a risk or a gamble with that, obviously, because you're assuming that you can hit a market price that can't be measured right and uh, that is that that's i'm 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 assuming that can be tough as an appraiser and for a bank to go all right we got rents for drive up at a dollar a square foot but you're saying that for this nice new a class facility maybe even a good location you can get up to two dollars a square foot right I mean, that's got to be a tough one to put your name behind. That's why going, going back to what we were talking about before is it's super important that the appraiser who is picked to do the assignment in situations like that knows knows the asset class. Because mm -hmm. any appraiser can do appraisal, but yeah. where's the value from from knowing, from having all this you know, experience of doing appraisals? And I've done those things before. Yeah. You know, A lot of people on our team have done those those appraisals before. And it's... It really comes down to learning about the demographics. You know, what's the population? What's the percentage of renters? What's the uh, how? You know, yeah. what drives self storage? It's rooftops. Yes. You know, are, are rooftops growing? You know, where is is an area that um, is it an urban area where you have a lot of renters, but you don't have a lot of household growth? Do you have a suburban area where you have household growth, you don't have a lot of renters. So, you know, those are the metrics that we use when yeah. when we kind of go in and and we. With all that, we make a call where we say the trade area is, is undersupplied, it's oversupplied, it's it's um, near near equilibrium, um, and that helps you. Once you learn that, then you kind of have a better idea of what's what's the picture that's being painted. Yeah. Then you can get into the financials and say, okay, so if it's existing, you know the market, you kind of know how how they're underwriting it. If it's proposed, you can look at what they're, the way they underwrote it on a stabilized level. And that's when as an appraiser, you got to make some hard calls. Yeah. You got to say, I don't think it's, I don't think it's $2 rents. Yeah. I think it's maybe buck 75. Yeah. And, uh, it's, that's, and then, you know, then you go through your expense. Expenses are a little bit easier to kind of put together yeah. because you got expense comps and, you know, other stuff, but, what about the operator? Do you at all ever consider an operator in the market? Like, are you saying, okay, this facility is a great facility, but this is the first facility that they've ever bought bank. So I think a $2 rate, you know, I don't know that they can achieve that. Now, if this was extra space, I think maybe they could achieve it, yeah. right? Uh, is that something you would even have a discussion with the bank about or at all? That's a good not? point. Like the execution, yeah. you know, yeah. like people's expense ratios and different things would be different. Mm -hmm. And that particular strategy of running that facility, 
you know, we're talking about remote management and those different things coming into play nowadays too. And yeah, and just to be be able to achieve that that rent price. Yeah, because I mean, there's some operators, you know, they can achieve 30, 40% higher rent price in a given market. Right. If then, they're going to push rents. Yeah, yes, exactly. If they know they have dynamic pricing, yep. if they can maximize rents and all that kind of stuff, as opposed to somebody else that is just looking more to the kind of match rents right. and lease up and walk away. So to speak, we, we see a lot of, a lot of acquisitions where somebody's maybe ran it kind of mom and pop. They haven't, yeah. they haven't run it to push rents. They haven't mm -hmm. run it to, you know, go to market levels to get, you know, cause you, you don't want to be hundred percent. You want to be, you know, 90, yep. you know, get, get those people in at, at, at market and maybe it sells for a higher price because that operator knows mm -hmm. these are not at market rents. So, yes. um, yeah, I in that in that situation, I'd be more than happy to say, yes, this operator can certainly probably get to that rent level. Yeah, based on their, you know, like I said, dynamic pricing, yeah. having a website, mm -hmm. call yeah. center, yep, um, you know, streamlining, you know, expenses, getting to an NOI that's probably more at market levels. And and that comes back to a lot of times what we talk to people about is, you know, this is a business and you need to express with the bank and the appraisers and everything, your business plan. So it's not yeah. like, you know, explain to them how you're going to execute on this property and on this strategy. Uh, just like an investor or just like anybody else, they need to have confidence that those metrics and things can be, be hit. And the lack of confidence in a bank or anybody else is going to be the lack of confidence of value that can be achieved. Right. And that, and that, that, that's a good, that, that touches on a good point. I mean, it's this, the, the real estate component is what it is, mm -hmm. but there is also that management side. It's yes. super important. I've seen case studies where I've walked into facilities and the first person I see is not a welcoming person, yeah. it, not a bad person, yep. but somebody, but some, maybe they're mm -hmm. in sweats, you know, and just does, you know, like, oh, I got it. I yep. understand. And then you walk in after maybe it's been purchased for, and there's a refinance and it's totally different. You go, that's why market rents were achievable because yeah. they knew how to run it. One of the best ways to increase value of your storage facility is to integrate tech to improve operations, right? So Janus International actually has their no key technology. It's a keyless access entry system that allows not only the access and entry to the gate, to the building, to the unit, it allows tenants to, and potential tenants to actually come in and rent a unit online, right? They can access online, see what units are available, rent the unit, access the building, the unit, everything straight from their phone without ever having to go to the office to do any kind of paperwork or any of that, which is an incredible amount of value for so many people and that user expectation that people have in today's marketplace. Again, Janus International, their no-key system. Be sure to check that out. Link is in the show notes. If you guys are looking to purchase your first storage facility, you just might be looking at the SBA loan approach and one of the best and most efficient places to get your SBA from is going to be Live Oak Bank. These people know self-storage. They've been in the industry for a very long time. They're very knowledgeable. You don't have to educate them on the underwriting, on how you're, you're valuing self-storage, any of that. These guys are incredible at valuing self-storage. They know how to underwrite it, and they are a phenomenal solution for you and your financing needs in all things self-storage. Again, Live Oak Bank. Let's say worst case scenario, this is something that I'm thinking about too. Let's say 
and I'm sure, and you could probably touch on this, that banks are pretty good about finding individuals like yourself and firms like Cushman Wakefield that um, know how to value uh, storage and these assets that they're lending on. But let's say they don't. Let's say they have a, an appraisal that it like goes wrong. It's not accurate. It's not right. Yep. What does that scenario look like? Well, we've never done that at Cushman Wakefield. Of course, of course, never. <laughs> no, never. No, every appraisal has yes, been perfect. perfect. Yep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> At least in the last two years, it's on my watch. Um, yeah, I have gotten calls from chief appraisers or or loan officers saying, "I've got this appraisal here, and it's it's darn near worthless." Yeah, I need some help. Yep. What do What do I do now? I have to be real careful because I can't opine on the existing appraisal. Because as an appraiser, I would be giving an appraisal. Yeah. And that's, you can't, you're not supposed to do that. So, but I could say, oh, well, you know, is there, are there specifics about it that maybe that I would know a little bit more about? Would, would I know the trade area? Would I know the property? Is there something? Um, and then just tell the lender, you know, hire us next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, we had this actually happen to us. We had, uh, well, I've had it twice. We had an appraisal once that we got back and we told the bank, we're like, we'll pay for another appraisal, but this is not right. It's yeah. just not, it's, it's not wrong. Right. Yep. And it, then we had another one where interesting motives, um, the asset was owned by a public entity and the appraisal, it was going to auction and the appraisal came in at uh, you know the number, which was very low to say the least. And um, we went and hired an appraiser and we said, we're going to go get our own personal appraisal, right? Uh-huh. And we went and got the appraisal and it came back, the, it was appraised at 3.5. We got ours done. We gave our data. We worked with the, the bank and their appraiser and they came back at 6 million. And uh, we went into that auction. The only people having gotten another appraisal. So everybody else in that auction had taken the appraisal from the state to give to the financial financial institutions. 3.5 million. 3.5 million. And we walked in and we picked that thing up and the 6 million was low. I mean, it was like we, you know, it was worth 10 million in three months. Uh, (laughs) And we came in and it was like we were operating on a totally different playbook. And I've seen this happen where appraise, uh, the appraisal kind of shook the whole entire thing in the <laughs> yeah. market. And I'm like, I get it why the appraiser and the state wanted a low appraisal. They wanted to show they had a big win and everything else. But it took us a little homework. Yeah, it took us some extra cost. But that that one thing right there, I can legitimately say, made us $4 million in one year yeah. on that property. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Yeah. I mean... That, that's the thing. I'm sure you've seen, like you said, you've seen, you've had that happen to you where yeah. the appraisals came in and you just said, this is, this is not going to work. Yeah. So one, the, the, the really important thing that people should know about appraisal is if you're going through a lender, they have to order the yes, appraisal if you, you want to get the financing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can't do hire appraiser third party nope. and then take it to the they lender can't accept it. and they can't accept it. Yeah. So, I always, if if I get a call from a property owner or somebody, I say, you know, the first thing you need to do is figure out who your lender is. I'll be happy to put a bid in when that time comes, but don't hire and waste your time and money because you can't, no lender will accept it. 
hundred percent. And that's so, why it's a partnership too. And even that's yeah. how we look at our, our the, the appraisers. They may not work for us, right? but we look at it as we're here working with the bank yep. to try to make sure, because honestly, we want to know. Meaning that if there's something, we're in the middle of buying a property. So if that appraiser comes back and sees something that we don't, I want to know. We want the yeah. bank to know and everybody to understand. So like you should really try to be giving the bank and the more information, in my view, that you could give to the appraiser and the bank, the more you're helping yourself out oh. and making it easier. I, <laughs> there have been times that I, there have been situations where I've been told, well, I don't want you to have my financials. Yeah. Because I don't want you to know. I'm like, well, then that doesn't help me at all. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, don't want, I, I don't want you to have my unit mix. Yep. Well, you want me to guess? Because trust me, it's going to hurt you. Guess right? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be in your loss, yeah, not mine. I got to go conservative at if some I don't point. Know. I've got to I've got to pull the trigger on something. Yeah. So, yeah, that has happened sometimes, and that's more the mom and pop yes. sort of. Yeah. You know, a little more. You know, like cards close to the vest a little bit. That's good know? to know though too. If you're if you're buying it and you've got to work with that mom and pop, and they're not being. They're not working with, or two, you may have, I don't know if you've ever run into where they really just don't even have the information. I was thinking about that when you were <laughs> like, talking about P&Ls and yes. things like that. I was like, if they have them. If like, they have them, <laughs> hand you a stack of cards. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. So here's my IOUs and my lease agreements. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it is funny though. Like there have been times on development deals where I'll get a pro forma and there'll be no line item for property taxes. And I'll go back and I'll say, did you have a property tax study? No. You know you probably have to pay property taxes on, you know, or insurance or utilities or, you know, a lot of times, especially you'll get the no third-party management. You know, that's the big yeah. thing. You know, we when we do our appraisals, we always include a third-party management fee mm -hmm. because we assume prudent management. And I mean, you know, I mean, yep. with your management, you we have to have that. We include it in. Right. Yes. If everything in that appraisal, all those conclusions go back to prudent management. And so part of that is your rent growth. We're going to assume rent growth at a, mar at a market or level, or maybe a little more aggressive, depending on where, what, where the asset is. But we're also going to have, we're also going to put in that three, that four or 5%, you know, man yeah. offsite management fee. And do you too. use a... Uh... Uh, do you do like, do you use feasibility studies? Do you go get them or do you make them internally? Or if they have them done, do you get access to those usually? So we have a couple people that do feasibility studies. Yeah. Um, if one's been done, that's great. Yeah. You know, that's great. That helps in the rents. Now we have to be real clear that, you know, what we're doing is independent of everybody else. Yes. You know, so our yes. conclusions aren't, you know, there's a, so, uh, yeah, feasibility studies, zoning studies, yeah. ta tax property tax studies, um, condition property condition reports. Yes, you know anything I can get my hands on. I ask yes. for anything. One and um, I start start big, and then I kind of whittle it down and see what I can get. And with, I think you know, kind of moving on here too. Talk to us about the market and what you've seen in the last six months. Uh, changes on both side. I think uh, be interested to hear on the banks, their viewpoints, the questions they're asking, um, as well as what you're seeing as far as buyers and sellers on the other side right now. Well, you know, 
mathematically, interest rates go up, cap rates go up. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of the way it is. I mean, that's just, we all, we all know that. Yeah. Now, with that being said, it's not a blanket, you know, it's not a black and white statement. So uh, what I do and what I encourage our team to do is go out, now's a great time to talk to brokers, buyers, um, developers. Hey, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Well, towards the end of the year, we saw a lot of, lot of deals get retraded, you know, or, or didn't close, um, or there was some sort of creative financing that had to get the deal done. We've seen some seller financing deals, which we haven't seen in years because we haven't had to. Um, and so what we've done as a group is we've, we're kind of on a very general level, we're seeing cap rates at about 25 to 50 basis points higher. Mm -hmm. Now in some areas it's 25, in some areas it may be closer to 100 basis yeah. points. Um, the sunshine states, you know, the smile states, what yep. they call it, um, real hot, people are moving there. Um, yeah. And so th there's a lot of activity in those states. Like we're still, we're still getting requests for a lot of appraisals. Florida, the Gulf Coast, Texas, Arizona. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the regional banks are still somewhat active. Mm -hmm. um, credit unions still been getting bids from credit unions. Unions. Um, I feel like the bigger banks are are a little more nervous to lend. Haven't probably gotten as many bids, you know, from some of the some of the larger banks. I think they feel like they're on the sidelines a little bit more. And this is only for self-storage, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but flip side is I've done two appraisals on proposed deals on the West Coast that have been two of some of the nicest proposed properties I've ever seen. Yeah. And But it's it's private private money. Yeah. That's where, you know, you, and, and that's the interesting segment of where self-storage is. You're seeing... Some big time players come into the, yeah, and you know if you're an if you're an office developer or an office investor right now, self storage looks pretty good. Yep, exactly. Um, not all office is bad, but I mean, why not? And so mm -hmm. that's, I think as of now, I've been getting a lot of questions from banks. How are you guys looking at it on the appraisal side? What are you guys doing as a, as a group? And I said, you know, we're just the data is not there because we haven't had as many deals close. And so there's a lot of market participant discussions we're having a lot of anecdotal stuff out there for us. It's hard because everything in an appraisal has to have every conclusion has to have some sort of data data point to support it. And in a lot of cases we're having, you know, you, you, with the lack of data that's closed, um, we have to really get a little bit deeper and, and talk more on the, you know, what are the investment terms? Yeah. Um, and banks are really interested in, in uh, you know, the, what, is the, what is the ratio, you know, of, uh, go blank here. The, yeah, the, the DCR? Yeah, the DCR. Yeah. Um, that's that been brought up uh, a lot yeah. to me on some deals, and especially like proposed deals that I may have done in the summer come yeah. back and the lender said, okay, so we're giving it a second look. Uh huh. 
our ratios, maybe we're, we're, we're thinking that a little bit. Yep. Cap rate, we're not so concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, when can this property start servicing that debt? Yes. What year is it? What year is that going to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but also as a group, we're talking, you know, the, and especially in a cash flow situation, you know, is typically there's a little bit of a delta between your going in and going out cap rate. And, you know, could that be a little bit lower? I mean, are interest rates going to come back down in the next five years? So if you're looking at a five to 10 year hold, um, where's the, you know, is the risk there? Well, for self-storage, it's proven it's, it's pretty resilient. Yeah. You know, we saw it in 2010, saw it during COVID. Um, it's not as risky asset as it used to be. Yep. So going back to your question about lenders, what are we seeing? Um, a lot of uncertainty, but I think it's really up to us on the appraisal side to be the consultants and be the ones to be able to communicate to the banks. This is what we're seeing out there. This is what deals are not, are not getting done. Um, not every deal is not, not getting done. Yes. What can, what can people do when they're out trying to knock down a facility or get a development and they know that the bank has uh, requested, obviously, an appraiser? Um, what should be in the forefront of their mind and what can they do to help you guys with your job? Well, uh, on a new deal or just an existing? Just yeah, I think in general, new deal, um, uh, existing deal that they're buying from uh, maybe a seller, maybe even maybe seller financed or they're doing a development. So on a new deal, um, there's a group that I work with and they know exactly what they give me everything. They give me renderings, they give me cash flows, they give me costs, they give me budgets. Um, they give me everything. I mean, the more going back to the point, the more I have on a new deal, it helps me tell the story in the appraisal. Yeah. Cause we don't have a history. Yeah. There's no P and L statements. There's nothing. It's only what the developer has budgeted up to a stabilized number or a going out number. Um, so, and and I'm pretty frank with the with the banks. You know, you know, if I don't have that information by a certain time, then then I can't do the appraisal. I we got to go on hold. Yeah. And usually, if if the hold word comes up, that scares everybody, and so everybody gets their their stuff to me. Yeah. Um, on a sale deal, it's 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 financials, it's occupancy reports. You know, um, occupancy occupancy statistics reports. I guess is mm-hmm. yeah. I guess that's what SiteLink has it on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything are there, was it, was, was it listed for sale? Had it ever been listed for sale? Do you have any, have any previous offers? Um, had you thought about selling it before? You know, what's some recent CapEx work that you've done to the property? Um, how much does that play in? So let's say, all right, let's say it's a property and the negotiated price is a four cap, but you go onto the property and you're like, all right, this is a $3 million asset at a four cap, but there's at least 600,000 worth of repairs that you're going, I honestly believe this needs to be done. Not like it's, 
oh, it would be nice if we made it look good. But you're sitting here going, no, this this will need to be done in the next two years. Yeah. What do you do in that situation? And how does that apply to the value and the communication you're having? If that, because maybe too, even the, the buyer may not even know that. Yeah. Right. They may go, well, I didn't know that there were those issues. Do I have to change those? They may not know. You know, ho- ho- hopefully they do. But yes. if there's something that we would identify as that would that would stop the property from gaining revenue. Yes. I mean, that's really kind of the yeah. benchmark, right? Yeah. Like is roofs so you can't occupy units or doors that won't open. Won't up. open. Right. Yes. Right. Or or a big hole in the in yep. the in the Cement. asphalt exactly. or something like that. You know, that's really that's kind of the basic, you know, like you said, paint. Signage, yeah. fencing. I That's mean, if you, they want to do it, right? Whatever. I mean, you can still run them. Um, if if it was unknown, and I'm the person to find out about it, <laughs> that's probably not a good thing. But I would immediately go back to the bank and say, "You're going to land on a troubled asset. Yeah, that really has some risks to it. So you better. I would get somebody out here to give a give an estimate as to what it's going to cost to fix that. Nice. So. What I would do is I would, I would either deduct that in my appraisal that amount, yeah, um, in like an as-is scenario. Say, okay, well here here's the value. Deduct that capex, and then this is your number, yeah. Um, because you always want to assume, like I said, going back prudent management, you want to assume all the units are being rented, and then you yes. kind of work backwards from that. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And then normally, I guess at that point, the bank or whoever would need to order in a property condition report or a, if it's roofing or whatever that may be. Right. And then it would be up to the bank to order those things. Yeah. And most of the time, I'm we're pretty much, they know that most of the time up front. Like when yes. we do the appraisal, if we get an RFP for an appraisal, it, it in the notes, it may say, hey, roof on building five Got is... It is defective and uh, they're in the process of getting a a bid for it or something like that. Yeah. I was going to touch on that where that, that property condition report and that initial due diligence and just the importance of getting those initial surveys done with your Altas, your zoning reports, the phase ones, the property condition reports, getting even expanded property condition reports like we've had to do on, you know, roofing, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, just the big ticket items, asphalt, all those different aspects um, it makes a ton of sense because you're going to be required to get those things from the bank anyway. Sure. And, you know, that's going to help you get a more solid value. So from the buyer side, 100% get those surveys, have them lined up. Uh, they're not cheap, but it's a lot cheaper than, you know, trying to close on an asset or do something that you shouldn't do any, to begin with. Um, then the other thing on the buyer side that you're kind of touching on is just having that historical, you know, operational and financial data to be able to provide you uh, as clear as possible, because that's I I think we run into that on every deal where it's like oh yeah we don't yeah, we don't have that I'm like oh okay yeah. <laughs> because you know it's it's <laughs> not it's not like out. it's not like an apartment where you can go in and go okay this is clearly a two bedroom one bath yeah, yeah. you could open the door and say it's ten by ten could it be a ten by twelve you know could it be a you know it's mm-hmm. you know it, it that is you know profoundly important you know to have the unit mix and the financials are the two real things that. Those are the jumping off points for sure. Yes. But, um, but yeah, to your, you know, and, and really, if, if you look at the components of a self storage, what are the major things that could stop revenue? It's roofs, it's doors, um, gates. it's asphalt, uh, gates. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, 
Those are kind of yeah, the, the, major the major ones. ones. But yes. other than that, it's not like if a sewer no. line is broken, no. you can yep. still operate, or yep. a water line. Yep. Um, you know, maybe it affects the resident manager, but you know, and, yeah. and, or if you know, if you got a climate control, maybe the HVAC units are mm-hmm. out or something like that. So, but those it's are a handful of big items. That's yeah, all. big items. Yeah, yep. exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's sweet. Well, um, uh, before we uh, wrap up here, uh, another question that I would have on looking forward here: Where do you see? values headed into this next year i think a lot of people are wondering you know we've talked about a move in cap rate we've talked about um but there's still demand we don't have as much properties are for sale but we have more money coming in uh do you see us kind of stabilizing in the first of the year or do you think there's still room for cap rates to rise that is the question isn't it yeah it is (laughs) uh if I had a nickel for every time I had that over the last six months, I'd be a super rich man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I, you know, I feel like on the just on the storage side. Yeah, I feel like cap rates have settled a little bit. Mm-hmm. I feel like everybody, you know, back in October, we all weren't sure where we were going. You know, we had the war in Ukraine, the gas prices were going up. We had the external factors that we couldn't, we couldn't control. Yes. You know the COVID stuff in in China. I mean, all yeah. that stuff affected us, but yeah. we couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. You know? So, but I think you know we're six months later. The sky hasn't fallen. Yeah. Storage still seems to be well liked. Um, you know the REITs lost a little bit over the last year, but um, they're always going to be players. I mean, that's the thing is you've got the REITs. That are always going to go out with the money and say, "Here, here's I want that facility, and I don't care what the cap rate is." Yep. I feel like maybe we're we've kind of stabilized a little bit. Yeah. At about that twenty-five to fifty basis point. I, and I, but I feel like if if rates go down, you know, we're going to probably see a movement downward as well. Yeah. Um, but again, it, you really got to be, you know, you got to be real prudent in in what's your trade area. What's the competition? What's your facility like? Yeah. Um, it's really facility specific. Really too, you facility know. specific. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with you. Well, where where people listening to this, where can they go to reach out to you, ask questions? Uh, where can we send people? So uh, Cushman Wakefield, we have a self-storage group established for 15 years 30 team members across the country it's cushman wakefield self-storage is really you put that in you put that into google you're going to get to us okay um and then it my name my contact information will be there um but you can also get a hold of me my email is tim.gary g-a-r-e-y at cushwake.com awesome and i am happy to discuss self-storage I'm happy to help anybody out. If there's new people that are just looking into it, I will be more than happy to take the time to discuss it. I think it's important the more information we have. 100%. Um, so anybody can reach out and, and talk to me. I'm, I'm really I'm happy to do that for sure. Thank so, you. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. That's yeah. awesome. That'll be in the yeah. show notes. And thank you for coming down and uh, giving us a look and insight to your world. I think it's very, very helpful for people to see. It is. Well, appraisals as I was saying, is very exciting. 
Very excited. Very excited. I think so. Why not? It, it is crazy, man. but yeah, I don't know is. who. I don't know who is as, as a kid grows up and goes. You know what? I gosh, I just want to be an appraiser. <laughs> That's how we uh, most of us end up. Though, That's I right. Think, I don't think I ever like, thought I'd be in storage. I know. Yeah. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. I know. I wasn't great. At, was I great in math or was I great in writing? Now I'm writing about math. Okay, so that's... <laughs> How did that happen? That's awesome. Right on. Well, thanks for coming. Appreciate well, it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys.